So welcome everybody to today's episode of the Independent Teacher Podcast. And I'm really pleased to be joined by Dr. Rachel Shanks. Hello. Hi, nice to meet you. Well, it's great that you've come to talk to me today because we are going to focus on this wonderful article that you wrote for the conversation. And it's all about school uniform. But before that, could you just give our listeners just a brief overview of your career and obviously your research interests as well? Thanks, Susan. Um, Well, I've had quite a varied career. It hasn't really felt like a career at times. I've sort of moved uh, between lots of jobs. So I did a law degree and then a master's uh, by research in legal studies. Then I was unemployed. I was an office temp for a year with lots of temping jobs. Then I got a job as a law lecturer and I did that for four years. Then I worked for the TUC in Birmingham and then I worked for Wolverhampton Volunteer Bureau, uh, the National Association of Citizens Advice Bureau. Then I moved to Aberdeen. I worked for Aberdeen CAB. I worked for a community centre. I then got a job at the University of Aberdeen Centre for Lifelong Learning, did a PhD, and now I'm a lecturer, uh, what was lecturer in education, and now senior lecturer in education at the University of Aberdeen. So as you can see, I've sort of moved, moved about. And your research interests? Yeah, so my PhD was on teacher induction and mentoring. So I was looking at the first year of being a teacher and sort of how you learn, you know, during that that first year. So in Scotland, we have a teacher induction scheme. So but, but what I found out was that it wasn't really the, the formal professional development that was organised for new teachers. From what they told me, it was all the on-the-job learning, the workplace learning, learning from colleagues, observing others, being observed, discussions, trial and error. So it was workplace learning that I was I was looking at there. And I'm still, you know, carry on with that research. But I sort of fell into researching school uniform uh, just about three years ago, I wanted to train some, sort of offer some students, undergraduates, the chance to be part of a research project, while they also learned how to use the NVivo software, which is qualitative data analysis software. And I had to come up with something to research that hopefully would be of interest to the students, but that I didn't have to get ethical access to data. So something that was publicly available. And I think I'd always had a bit of an interest in school uniform. So um, my husband says that he thought of of the idea that uh, between us, we came up with the idea of if we looked at the school uniform policy of secondary schools in Scotland, um, that that would be available on websites because um, schools generally, you know, have that information in their handbook, which is also on the website. What happened was when I asked um, students to volunteer for this, I got fantastic students, uh, which makes sense. You know, students who want to do something extra, learn a new skill um, for, for, for no credit, you know, no immediate credit at the university. Um, and they were just, you know, really fantastic students that worked with me. There was 12 students, a master's student, 11 undergraduates. And between us, we collected and analysed the school uniform policy of every publicly funded secondary school in Scotland. So all 357. Obviously, we're going to talk about your research and your findings, but could you put school uniform into a a context uh, just to give you an idea I was out with my friend we went for lunch on on Saturday and she was brought up in Canada and she didn't wear a, a school uniform and so she's very pro school uniform now because of what it was like not wearing a uniform 
But I just wondered what the context was of other European countries or before we come on to Scotland or, or countries across the world. Is, could you just say a little bit more about that? Well, the, the interesting thing was the students that worked with me, um, there was just one from Scotland, uh, a couple from England, but the rest came from countries where they don't wear school uniform, uh, you know, from, from Sweden, from Germany. And what it seems to be is that, you know, in the UK, the Republic of Ireland, you know, there's a real strong tradition of school uniform. And then when we see other countries across the world with that a similar tradition to the to the UK with you know blazer tie shirt um we can if we then think about it we can say oh but that was maybe a colony you know that was part of the british empire so it's like a colonial export so if we look at countries in the caribbean sub saharan africa if we look at india the school uniform got taken along as as a part of empire and now is maybe even as strict or even stricter in, in some places than than it would be in the in the UK. But then we have other traditions with school uniforms. So if you look at Argentina, Argentina has a really strong tradition of, and it, this comes from early 19th century, sort of for hygiene reasons, um, children wore a smock. But it would, it's a bit like what we would think of as a medical coat, you know, a white coat. Um, and so children at all schools in Argentina will wear this sort of white white coat or smock. And it, But that tradition comes from hygiene, thinking, you know, that will be keep the students clean. They won't, uh, germs won't be going between students, you know, from different households. So in the UK, it comes from really trying, the first of all, what was charity schools and then became what we think call public schools or, you know, private schools, fee-paying schools. And just that tradition um, then got copied as a sort of mark of sort of trying to have a similar mark of esteem or whatever, then fell away in, in the UK in the 1960s. You know, there was there was less less uniform, but then there's been a I think in England especially, there's been a resurgence in school uniform and seeing having that that somehow if students are all very disciplined with their school uniform, that somehow then that will follow on, that they'll do better better at school. And in your article, you talked about France as well. Yeah. So France is, is like most of uh, other European countries, doesn't have a great tradition of having school uniform. But there was a, a proposal put forward at the National Assembly to have a school uniform. And there were really two very different reasons that were put forward for that. One was the reason that a lot of us would think of as a egalitarian measure, level the playing fields so that you can't see the difference between wealthier and less wealthy people. I think that would be the main reason that people would be in favour of school uniform in the UK. But the second reason, and I think this is maybe why it was um, voted down in the French Assembly, was the second reason was actually um, because it was proposed by the um, the former Front National to not have any influence um, of the you know Islamic religion on how pupils dressed. So so there were two parts to it, you know. So so one part was so that there wasn't that competition and that just difference between what pupils were wearing but on the other hand it was actually um, a sort of anti-Muslim um, you know Islamophobic reasons so, so there were reasons that we could maybe understand but but then there were also reasons why we could see that um, it, it wasn't a very good proposal. Yeah that makes sense yeah so why do the majority of schools in Scotland, England, Wales, Ireland 
why what are the main reasons for having a school uniform policy so there are the reasons that are given in the school uniform policies but i think the main reason is that we just take it for granted you know we can't imagine not having a uniform so 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 sometimes when you talk about it with people, they're really shocked that in France and Germany, the Netherlands, you know, Denmark, that, you know, Finland, all the Nordic countries, that they don't have school uniform. And quite often we think of Finland, you know, as being the, you know, the best place for education. Not even the fee-paying schools in Finland have uniform. Not a single school in Finland has a uniform. And I think the reason they don't have uniforms is because they have a more equal society. So I do think it goes that uniform can often go hand in hand with societies that aren't equal in terms of their income and wealth. And so it is a way of trying to, to, to level the playing field. But I think in the UK, we just we really take it for granted. Now, in the policies themselves, you know, they'll talk about reducing competition and hopefully that reduces bullying, reduces discrimination. There's also claims about safety and security sometimes about truancy you know that if people's wearing uniform it's harder for them you know to go off downtown shopping or whatever or the safety and security reasons can be also related to it's easier to spot an intruder on the premises sometimes there's things to do with ethos sense of belonging pride sometimes even that it's getting people ready for work so employability that um, but obviously when we think about it, a lot of jobs nowadays don't have uniform or or office wear has become more casual you know so it's not actually a lot of people don't have to wear uh, well men don't have to wear a shirt and tie in the office and of course women never had to wear ties you know so so there are some anomalies just of where the uniform the tradition um how we just carry on with that that tradition um what i found was interesting in the school uniform policies in scotland was that so few of them mentioned learning because i think they realized that it's almost impossible to show a link between you know learning and uniform or achievement yeah now the other thing i wanted to ask you about as well was the negative impact of uniforms on girls and those from ethnic minorities. Now, this is research um, mainly from Australia, where quite often girls are expected to wear dresses or skirts. And in Australia, they, what they discovered was that, um, you know, girls that are wearing, uh, you know, skirts or dresses for school are less likely to maybe ride a bicycle to school. And then they're also less likely to take part in activity at break and lunchtime, you know, physical activity. So it actually has an impact on their on their on their health because because they're restricted by the clothes that they're having to wear for school. For girls, um, generally speaking, there's often requirements about the length of, of a skirt. So this isn't just about Australia, this is also the UK. And there can be phrases that are often used are things like the a skirt must be a decent length or it must be an appropriate length or it must be girls must dress modestly and so all those so it's making making the problem girls problem when really it's it's how other people are seeing them so if other people are sexualizing or objectifying girls by how they're dressed for school, that isn't really the girl's problem. You know, that's society's problem. So that that's, you know, those are a couple of the issues for, for girls. And one other I mentioned um, before about ties, you know, men might have previously, men might have worn ties 
um, to work, but not so much now. I find it odd that girls have to wear ties to school because most of the time some women do wear, you know, a necktie, but very, very rarely. And yet it's just, again, this taken for granted that if you go to school, you'll, girls and boys will wear a tie. So again, it's making girls maybe while they're at school, they have to be a bit like a boy, you know, that, you know, or, or dress like a man would be wearing, you know, going to a, to a job, um, you know, in an office um, in the, you know, 20th century. So there's just all the, you know, different things to do with, with uniform that it's, it's modeled on, on a boy, you know, and a boy going to, to, to Eton or you know another private school in the 19th century it's not really thinking uh, what do young people in the 21st century wear you know and what are they comfortable wearing and in terms of for you know um, pupils from ethnic minority groups from minoritized groups it's about although policies might say oh, um, oh we, we won't discriminate you know with this policy if, if it can be hard for people to come forward and say, well, actually, because of my, you know, religious faith or my background, you know, this isn't um, something I'm comfortable or my, you know, young person isn't comfortable wearing. And a more generic uniform would be useful uh, for gypsy traveller children in particular, because if they're moving around the country, obviously it's going to be very difficult to get different you know, different school uniforms, uh, going to going to different schools, you know, especially if it's a blazer and tie, because those are two quite expensive items that often have to be bought from specific suppliers. So it's just that it's always, I think, quite difficult for parents to come forward and say, oh, because of religious practices or other reasons, um, we'd like a dispensation from, from the school uniform policy. If if the uniform is very strict, um, it, it can be difficult. And when you did your, your research, did you talk to all stakeholders about uniforms? And I just wondered if you did. Was there a, a groundswell of opinion about wanting to wear school uniform from the young people in comparison to, say, the teachers or their parents? Because I remember when I went to school, I, I loved getting into the sixth form when, when I could just wear my own clothes. And I think for me, it was I didn't have to wear a skirt. I could now wear, you know, my jeans and, you know, and some trainers when I went to school. So with the research that I've um, done so far, what I've done is I've, I've looked at the school uniform policies and I've also um, done freedom of information requests with local authorities to find out their policies. And then unfortunately, because of the pandemic, just when I would have gone, you know, to to, to speak to schools and to, to teachers, head teachers and pupils, I wasn't able to go to schools and then I realised that schools were under a you know, very great burden and didn't want to add um, to that work at all. So I'm hoping to do that. But with the young people I haven't have spoken to, so, so members of the Scottish Youth Parliament, what they've said is they'd like to be comfortable. You know, that that was the, the key thing that that um, was reported to them. So, so one of the members did a, a little survey on Instagram. And what Remy found was that they just talked about being comfortable. I think it was because it was after pupils were back at um, back at school after lockdowns. So obviously during the lockdowns, they'd been at home, they'd been in their own clothes, they'd been comfortable, you know, um, 
that there was that then coming back to school and maybe wearing you know synthetic fibers and blazers and you know maybe maybe being a bit cold as well if windows are open uh, for ventilation purposes um that but that was the key thing that came back is is they wanted to be they wanted to be comfortable now i've come to the final question i'd like you to 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 consider if you were the education secretary for scotland would you be advising schools following your research to keep their uniform policy i think i would i think because of the income differentials um i think when we look at uh, research that was done in the northeast of england on non uniform days what they find was that attendance dropped because people you know young people obviously didn't want to be compared you know with their peers and so rather than going to school um they you know the the there was definitely lower attendance rates on non-uniform days so and then sometimes anecdotally you'll hear of you know children going to school in uniform on uniform on non-uniform days and saying oh I forgot but people think it it was because they they didn't want to have that stigma in terms of that comparison with other people so I think unfortunately at the minute because of living in an unequal society I think it does make sense to have a school uniform but what I'd be if I was uh, Secretary of State for Education, what I'd be um, wanting schools is to have affordable school uniforms so that it's costed. People who are eligible can, can afford it using the school clothing grant, you know, that it's comfortable so that young people um, can move about in it and feel good about themselves and also that it's sustainable so that we reduce as much as possible the amount of school uniform that's going into landfill so that it's things are reused or that maybe they're 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 bought by the school and they're handed out um you know so they can maybe be more expensive items like the wool blazers but maybe hand them out so uh port of glasgow high school they have a blazer deposit scheme so you just switch your blazer when you've grown out of one and then the school keeps the blazers uh, and there isn't that big expense for families and then the last thing i think i would I'd make sure is that school uniform policies are reviewed and that young people with their rights under the UN Convention of the Rights of the Child, that young people are able to influence uh, the school uniform policy. Because I think if, if school uniform policy had to be reviewed every three years, I think it would change, maybe not drastically, but I think gradually. So, so I've still got uh, one of my children at school you know, who's wearing more or less it's the same thing that I wore, um, you know, a long time ago. So I think I think regular reviews, um, and I think with young people having their say, it would it would it would change. I thought you'd come out in a completely different direction, actually. <laughs> Rachel, can I say thank you so much for joining me today on the Independent Teacher Podcast? It's been an absolute pleasure catching up with you and you know, learning about something that is much more complicated than um, parents and teachers probably suspect when we talk about school uniform and a, and a uniform policy. So thank you so much for, for sharing that with us. Thank you very much, Susan. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Independent Teacher Podcast. If you like listening to this podcast, please consider giving us a five-star rating either on Spotify or Apple Podcasts.